glory, 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 hallelujah. I'm so excited to welcome you again to another episode of Fresh Manor Minister Digest. Let us pray. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this wonderful love that you have shown to us in Christ Jesus by sending him down to show us this love, to give himself for us, and to call us as his people. Therefore, Lord, as we study this morning, we ask that you open up our eyes to the truth, and also as we share this good news of the King to the whole world, that their eyes will be opened also, that they may come to the saving power through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to read Mark chapter 2, 18 to 22. As I recap a little what we learned last week, then I go through the study for today. Mark chapter 2, verse 18 through to 22. Now Jewish disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding girls fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sew a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wine skin. If he does, the wine will burst the skin and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skin, but new wine for fresh wineskin. Praise the Lord. This is a wonderful study. We're going to be seeing God calling the new people. Jesus calling the new people of God, I mean. But before we go through that, I just want to remind us what we studied last week. How we saw the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the King, as Mark recorded it, showing us beautiful thing as we went through John, uh, sorry, Mark chapter one and through to chapter two, verse seventeen. We saw that this good news actually was proclaimed by prophets long before he came. Prophet Isaiah, Prophet uh, Malachi, and many other prophets prophesied about his coming, and John the Baptist proclaimed the same thing the king is coming god himself proclaimed when jesus came and was baptized in the river jordan here is my beloved son in him i'm well pleased and when jesus also stepped in he proclaimed this good news and clearly he proclaimed the kingdom of god is at hand and calling people to repent which is a beautiful thing because there cannot be a kingdom without a king and gradually as we went through he began to show himself as that king that has been promised by god who will come and rule his people in righteousness and justice and set them free 
from their enemies, which we're going to be seeing clearly that is a part of sin. And while Jesus stepped into the scene, we saw how he demonstrated his power over people. Many of the people he called his disciples were into different vocation, but at a call, they responded to him. They came, and even those he did not directly call, they came after him everywhere he went. And then he showed the power to teach. His teaching was different. His teaching came with authority. Even the crowd could attest to that. And also, we saw clearly his power over evil spirit, how he, he, he was teaching and then clearly giving commands to, to, to the Holy Spirit, and they obeyed him without any argument. We also saw his power to heal, and all that came were healed, all. There was no exception, showing the difference of what we have today. Clearly, Jesus healed all that came to him. Many that were brought were healed, and also his power to forgive. He cleansed the leper, uh, which he showed to us clearly, like we saw in Leviticus chapter 14, 1 to 3, that actually lepers were considered outcasts were uh, actually usually taken out of the town and the only thing that could qualify them to come in is they have to be brought to the priest and the priest have to do some rituals and then and actually do the sacrifice they are required is a sacrifice of atonement and then the, the leper can be declared cleansed by the priest and then they can rejoin the people so what jesus did by cleansing the leper is to actually show to us that he has the power to cleanse human just by the power of his word and then what actually alienated us from God will be taken away and then people can also be rejoined and it's followed immediately by um of course, the power to forgive. He showed to us clearly, Mark chapter 1 to 12, that he has a power to forgive. That's what he came. So he has power to cleanse. He has a power to forgive. He shows something definitely different from the teacher of his days and from the teachings of his, his days, showing to us that he's, he has come to bring a new order into the world. And clearly, his priority was to teach. His priority was to teach. So today, we're going to continue from Mark chapter 2, verse 18, where I read. And we're seeing clearly Jesus comes to call new people of God. And as we go through this study for today, we will be confronted by some shocking thing. If this is good news, we expect everyone to accept it. But as Jesus stepped into the scene, we began to see some rejection, some resistance by the teachers of his days because they do not understand what he has come to do. Or perhaps his teaching is a direct confrontation to what he has come to do. So they're not going to take it lightly. There's a big confrontation to it. So permit me to open to Isaiah chapter 54, 5 to 6, and Hosea chapter 2, 16 to 20, as we see that Jesus actually is the bridegroom because there was a question and confrontation about why his disciples were not fasting. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 54, 5 to 6. Isaiah 54, 5 to 6. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth is his call. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. Hosea chapter 2, 16 to 20. 
And the day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant of that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow and sword, war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the promise of God. And now Jesus has come clearly to show to them he is the bridegroom. And as long as the bridegroom is there, there is no need for fasting but feasting. Here is the promise. So now is the time for feasting and not fasting as long as the bridegroom is with, was with them. Now is the time not to patch up the old, but to start again with something entirely new. And that's exactly what he was doing. And I need you to understand that the Pharisees understood that because they are the custodian of the law. They understood exactly what Jesus meant. And when he said that, it was a big confrontation to their teaching and to what already they have established. And when he do that, understand... I've said earlier, Mark does or arranges materials, his proclamation according to structure. And it leads us to the next thing, Jesus making a further claim. When you check Mark chapter 2 from verse uh, 23 to 28, he came clearly to show to them he is the Lord of the Sabbath, confronting another major teaching in the Old Testament. Time may not permit us to read that, but if you're writing, you can check that, look that out in Exodus chapter 20. Eight, um, verses 8 to 11, Deuteronomy chapter 5, 12 to 15. So Jesus points straight to the, the, the fact that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So when Jesus claims the authority to something as important as what they believe in the Old Testament, in the verses I call, he is confronting them with the truth that he is the one that has been spoken. And actually he has come to do good on this Sabbath because Sabbath is made for man and not man for Sabbath. So they misunderstood that and he's coming with this new teaching and with this new system to show to them actually that on the Sabbath, and then he pointed out something clearly from part of the places we read. King David, someone they hold in high regard, was hungry a particular time. And he went into the temple and he ate bread. Bread that is meant for priests only to eat. But he ate and gave it to his own people. So and he's pointing clearly that he's a Lord giver because as the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that mean? He's simply saying, see, I'm that lawgiver and I'm here to show you the importance of that law that actually uh, the Son of Man is the Lord over Sabbath. He's a lawgiver. And then this is beginning to arouse some kind of confrontation. Let's move to uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. And you see further what happened. A man with a withered hand, Jesus stepped into the scene. He knows already they are hard. They have begun to worry and then and Jesus is going to do good and save life on their same Sabbath and he showed to them that Sabbath is not just to be worshipped but to be enjoyed for our benefit 
and Jesus exposes that impotency of what they, they lack. And he stepped and asked the man to stretch for his hand and he made a declaration. Straight the man was made healed. Listen to what verse 6 says of Mark chapter 3. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodian against him how they might destroy him. Amazingly, Jesus was heal a man. I mean, he just restore a man, man's hand who was withered. I thought they should be excited seeing this beautiful thing. But that has begun to bring confrontation by the religious leaders because their religion is therefore exposed. They put their emphasis on man. We end forgiveness by works of repentance, by keeping the law, by behavior, by religion. Jesus is explaining that the true religion is about him. We cannot ourselves be righteous. And a religious observance does not deal with our sin problem. This exposes, explains why their opposition is bold so widely and illogical and shockingly violent. Why? Because they are seeing something different that they believe. But I'm stepping to the next thing, which I'll begin to round up, which is in Mark chapter 3 through to 21, Jesus calls the new people. And when Jesus saw that, of course, let me read verse 13 and 14. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also called the apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Does that bring something to your mind, Old Testament allusion? This is clearly... Jesus calling the new people to himself. He stepped up to Mount Sinai and he called the twelve. Do you remember the twelve uh, uh, tribe of Israel? Just as God led the twelve tribes of Israel to Mount Sinai, where he commissioned them as his special people in a special relationship with him. You can see that in Exodus chapter 19, 1 to 6. So Jesus called the twelve. And the fact that they are twelve is more important than who they are. So it's not about their work about, but clearly he didn't make, he didn't call 11, he didn't call 13, he called 12, showing to us clearly he is calling a new people for himself and on the same mountain so that they will be with him and so that he may send them out into the world for a special task. And that is what God has called us to do through Jesus Christ. He's calling us as his own special people. We are the Israelite of God in Christ Jesus. He has called us to be the new tribes, to be the new people of his kingdom. And permit me, I'm going to jump. I wanted to stop now, but I think this would make sense if I link that with Mark chapter 3, verse 31. You see, when Jesus himself was pressured and people were coming and he didn't even eat and his mother and his brothers came to call him. And Jesus said, let me read that quickly. Um, Mark chapter 3, verse 31. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And the crowd was sitting around him. They said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother? Who are my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. I love that. 
you know, maybe that will bring something to our thought as people began to think about Mary and other people. Even Mary did not stand a chance here. The people who stand a chance here are those who listen to his word, those who do the will of the Father in his word. So let's know that clearly, not that Jesus was disrespectful, but he was showing to us what is most important. Mary, of course, biologically, God used her as a vessel. But as much as he is about doing what God has sent him to do, calling new people to himself, he is saying, in essence, I can say this in this way, that even Mary, if she does not listen, does not stand a chance of being his mother. So we can be Jesus' brother today. We can be Jesus' sisters today. We can be Jesus' friends today as much as we listen. And he said clearly, so... As we open up our heart, let us understand that Jesus has come to call new people for this new kingdom, the new kingdom of God, and he's calling us into a new relationship for he to be like the bridegroom and us like the wife, in a new relationship in righteousness, like Isaiah said, in holiness, in faithfulness, and like this husband who loves his wife, who will do everything to keep his wife, in fact, who will give up his life for his wife, that he may present her without spot or wrinkle. That's what Jesus Christ have come to do for us. And I tell you what, for those who are married, I, I mean, you can only imagine that when you have a husband who loves you, who can do everything for you. That is exactly what Jesus Christ have come to do. And that's why there was feasting in his, with his disciples. There was constant feasting and celebration. Why? Because their eyes were open, was open to the fact that Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And as we continue, uh, next year we're going to see that instead of people to be excited to reject, to receive him, people reject him the more. And that's exactly what we see. And we are seeing in this generation, people seeing this good news, understanding what God have done. People are ought to rush into this to receive it with joy. But we are seeing rejection by men, rejection on every side. But that should not be discouraging to us. That should only open up our eyes to the fact that even when he was alive, this rejection was seen among the Pharisees and among the people that should understand better. So that will continue to help us understand that this is what Jesus Christ have come to do and exactly there is going to be confrontation. No doubt. So as we go to preach and we're opening, we're teaching and God is opening the eyes of those who do not know the truth and whenever there is a confrontation or rejection, we shouldn't be disappointed but we should only go back to pray and that God will lead us to continue to lead us to teach and to open up the eyes of people to come to this power of his saving grace in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Even as we do this study, we ask that help us that as we go back to read, we will see more from your word. That as we continue to walk, our hope will only, only be in Christ alone. And then we will continue to speak to people about this wonderful love as we walk in this wonderful new relationship that you have called us in Christ Jesus. Thank you because you're going to do much, much and open up our eyes to see much, much through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your sacrifice. I must say this 
to my African friends, thank you, because I know it's not particularly easy to use your data. But little cancel, I think I'm going to write it. You can actually listen to this in the background while you do other things with your data. I understand how much it's difficult to get money to buy data. But God bless you for it. But as you do that also, please, uh, you will do well as you share. Please don't just listen, but share with your friends. That is part of your evangelism work as you speak to others. The Lord will bless you richly for it. In Jesus' name, amen.